Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Riccardo, and we are keeping score. This week, a very, very busy week in all major sports. Let's get right to it. First, deal-making issues, three to one of the week. First, number three, head of the PGA Championship, the PGA of America, making a landmark investment, $2.5 million over the next five years in PGA Reach to incubate and grow the PGA Works platform. It's a strategic initiative designed to diversify the golf industry's workforce. Platform began with a fellowship has grown to include scholarships, career exploration events, and PGA working, including the tournament PGA Work Collegiate Championship, May 9 through 12. The key programs inspire and engage talent from diverse backgrounds to ensure employment positions across the golf industry. Golf's an $84 billion industry, and PGA Works programming generates significant awareness of careers throughout the game while helping to diversify the workforce so it mirrors America right in time for the PGA Championship. By the way, are we all looking for Tiger Woods? I am. Number two. Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles predicted a 3.5% uptick in attendance over last year. Maybe 5%, 3 to 5% looks real. 35,000 fans last year, this year even bigger. Credit for increase goes to fans and drivers' acceptance of the Grand Prix as the kickoff of Indy Month in May. Entitlement sponsor hopefully soon. Angie's List was the sponsor, ran into financial problems, but Bowles said the Indianapolis Grand Prix, even without Angie's List or another sponsor, profitable race based on ticket sales alone. The race also profitable for winner Simon Paginot, who overcame the competition and the rain for win number 12 for him and number 205 for Team Penske in the 51-year Indy Cup run. And finally, number one. MLB laid out the promotional plans for a London series for baseball this year with eyes to highlight the growth and softball in the UK as the Red Sox face the Yankees on June 29 and 30. Activities planned include a baseball cultural festival known as London Yards, including music, baseball, virtual reality, interactives, Boston and New York cuisine, and live screening of the game. Additionally, Play Ballpark will serve as a hub for all youth-focused baseball and softball activities and include a temporary baseball-softball diamond, pitching tunnels, batting cages, baseball virtual reality portals. MLB and Little League International have also invited four Little League under-13 baseball teams to London to compete in a small, friendly tournament at Play Ballpark. And by hosting games that count in Japan and now in London, MLB has joined America's other pro sports leagues in exporting a real product, not just a soft serve exhibition with the goal of attracting a real fan base. Good for them. Well, we talk about the PGA Championship as number one, even though it was third on our list. And the PGA Championship focuses the industry of golf generally. Participation is up. Retail is up. Prize money is up. Golf courses are stable. 
and the industry seems to be great all around the world. Scott Seymour, Senior Vice President of Golf Consulting at Octagon Worldwide, has been in that position since June of 2016, but he's a 25-year industry veteran and a 23-year veteran of Octagon. He helps global corporate sponsors of golf understand the golf audience and how best to reach that audience in unique ways. He also manages and maintains key relationships with all of golf's governing bodies as the golf industry continues to increase, survive, and thrive. And by the way, the tigerization of the tour, how's that? Especially with the PGA Championship coming up, here's Scott Seymour. Inside the boardroom, beyond the scoreboard, we're ready for the second major of the year. This is obviously relevant for years to come, but we can't find a better spot after the first major, the Masters. We only have a month, less than a month to wait, and this is the end of that waiting period for the PGA Championship at Beth Page. But we'll also talk about golf generally, both nationally and internationally. Scott Seymour, the Managing Director of Golf at Octagon Worldwide, a 28-year industry veteran, all at Octagon. He understands what corporate sponsorship is like, and we can talk about uh, some of his sponsors as well. And the general business of golf, the timing is great. Scott, how are you? Doing great, Rick. How's it going? It's going really well. So uh, have you been asked by thousands of your closest friends for tickets to Beth Page these next couple of weeks? Yeah, the sold-out Beth Page. I think everybody's pretty excited about what happened at the Masters and the momentum that Tiger has going into into Beth Page. Obviously, everybody knows his history there, so I think everybody's pretty excited. Well, let, let, let's talk generally about the golf business. You have a real interesting position to do it. The, uh, the Octagon world has been known as a leader in golf. Give us the elevator speech on what you do uh, in a normal day. What do I do in a normal day? I work with our clients on a normal day. Um, we're really focused on how do we reach the golf audience uniquely for our clients. Um, we focus on... You know, understanding the viewer, the player, and the attendee, and how do we uniquely use the, the tools out there in order to reach them? You know, it's everything from the PGA Tour to the PGA of America, the USGA, the RNA, uh, the LPGA, you know, all the different governing bodies around, around the world, uh, to working with the media entities out there, NBC, CBS, the Golf Channel. Um, to Golf Digest and Golf Week USA Today and how do we cobble it all together to make sure that we deliver for our clients uh, that unique connection to the audience. Well, you are one of the worldwide expert cobblers, to be sure. And the industry for many years was sustaining itself. And there was the discussion about the tigerization of the tour, which is great for the haves and not great for the have-nots. You look back at Tiger's world since the late 90s to date. It's undergone a, a, a hell of an evolution. Is the business and the industry stronger today than it was when Tiger burst on the tour? And if so, why? Uh, absolutely. Um, from a from a global perspective, um, it's definitely stronger. Uh, I think you know, obviously, from last year to this year, you know, seeing Tiger's resurgence and seeing the numbers from a media perspective jump. For example, on the weekend, 60% on NBC and 30% on the Golf Channel, simply through you know the excitement in and around Tiger when he's competing. 
uh, now there's you know a whole new movement of great young stars and interests around them. Uh, they've developed their own brands. Social media uh, has has really contributed a lot to that, where they they can connect directly to their fans and their fan base in a unique way. Uh, you've seen technology really change the face of the game in so many ways. Uh, you think of things like Top Golf and simulators and range games and you know short form elements that really just uh, you know the world is our oyster for what we can do and how we can do things differently with the game. You know the interesting piece about the numbers and how they've evolved is I think I'm somewhat of an industry veteran, meaning old, and I've seen a lot of these National Golf Foundation reports. So first time that I've seen anything ahead of National Golf Day that not only talked about the 24 and a half million people who play golf on a course in 2018, but they added the top golf and facility stuff, talking about 33 and a half million people. I find that to be a tremendous change and evolution on the theory that if you're swinging a golf club, you're playing golf. What, what's your take on all that? I, I think it's revolutionary. I, I just the things that Top Golf has done for the game is incredible. Um, they've, you know, they've always been uh, searching for short form ways to play the game, different ways to introduce people to a very intimidating game. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. It, it, the numbers are are amazing to me. So 50, 50 Top Golf uh, facilities in the U.S. You've got 17 million attendees in 2018. 17 million. That's equivalent to uh, what the NFL does from an attendance perspective. Um, you're looking at the average age. You know, they always talk about golf and how, you know, in quotes, old golf is and it's getting older. But you look at Top Golf and what it's doing to the numbers. 84% are under the age of 44 and 68% are under the age of 35 and it's getting younger. Um, you know, you're looking at just sheer numbers of lifetime members of Top Golf, 23 and a half million. I mean, that's that's incredible. You sound like a shareholder and wannabe, and all of us do, in terms of what it does to build the game itself. According to that study as well, the NGFs recently released one, the juniors, which are defined as 6 to 17, and the young adults, 18 to 34. It's about 35% of all on-course players, 2.5 million junior participants, 6.1 million young adults, and 5.7 million women. I guess the upward trend in all of these categories extends what you said about top golf but is also good for the business fabulous for the business it's really i mean you look at the technology and what it's delivering and how it's changing the game it's it's fantastic and you, if you couple that with you know the fact that the pga of america uh, the usga and the pga tour and the lpga they're working together like they've never done in the past um the, the leaders there are really collaborating. They're thinking through the right way to approach the game, to change the face of the game. They're doing a great job. I, I think, you know, you, you look at things like PGA Junior League and what that represents and the opportunity that PGA of America's got with them and developing that property over time and working with now a media partner like ESPN. You look at the Little League World Series and what they might be able to do 
with PGA Junior League to, to really come up with something similar to that from a property perspective, you know, that, that presents some amazing opportunities. You're looking at, you know, diversifying the audience in an in a interesting kind of way through PGA Reach and through what the PGA Tour does with their first tee programs. It's really, um, really fantastic. So, obviously, you've got to keep your pulse on all aspects of the industry, but the most one of the important aspects is is your corporate clients and how to make sure that they feel comfortable both with hospitality and reach and everything else. And and for the Mastercards and BMWs and and the Ciscos and Sentries, all of uh, Deltas, the companies that you have had expertise with and involved with, what are the major points these days? Is it hospitality? Is it global reach? Is it television? Is it digital? Is it activation? Is it all of that? Now, all of the above, and it depends on the client and who they're trying to reach. You know, you've got a, you know, a way to, to connect from a B2B perspective, a way to connect from a B2C perspective, and it's really based on, you know, what the, the objectives are for the, for the client. And there are lots of different ways to do it. it. You know, there are ways to do it through the leagues. There are ways to do it with, you know, through the players. There are ways to do it through grassroots programs. There are lots of different ways to engage. So let's talk about golf for the every man, not just the corporate support of people who watch and buy stuff. Uh, the course supply declined by 1.2%, 12.5 new 18-hole equivalent golf courses, 198.5 closures. The ratio is interesting. They're talking, this NGS study again, they're talking about how land is getting more difficult and how capital may be more difficult. What's your take? Is that a momentary blip? Are we consolidating the industry? Does Top Golf take away from the traditional golf course? Where's this all coming from? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, I think it's a little bit of the right sizing with the overbuild from a golf course perspective and real estate properties and you know those types of approaches. Uh, I think you're seeing you know technology changing the way the game is being played. Uh, you're looking at you know, top golfs of the world. You're looking at simulators. Um, you're looking at you know things that uh, the way the game can be played differently. You're looking at smaller uh, par three golf courses where people are focusing on short game elements and game development. So, really, just approaching the game very differently. Do we care that 20 million committed golfers account for about 95 percent of all rounds and spending? We want to make sure we, the industry, maintains the avid golfer, but also brings in the new young, middle, and old golfer through any number of contexts and keeps them coming. How does that balance work? That's a good question. Um, I think you've seen, you know, the studies from the NGF standpoint where, you know, the same amount of golfers are coming in as going out. And I think a lot of that is the intimidation factor of the game. Uh, it's a time factor of the game. And I think you're seeing some of these technology solutions really present opportunities for people to re-engage with the game and stay active in the game. You know, when I can go to a range with the top tracer technology or, or the track man technology and I can hit balls for a half an hour or, or an hour and actually compete against the guy next to me in some kind of range game or I can go to top top golf and 
hang out with a, with a couple of friends and, and hit some balls and, you know, be in there for an hour or 45 minutes and, and walk away and engage with the game, that's a really interesting way to do it. Um, there are lots of different ways that they're engaging to make this game more fun and exciting. And so... As we get more competitive, it's not just all of the sports that are in this world, but, you know, when you look at, uh, rumor has it that you you ski, you play in coach lacrosse, you, you fish, and obviously your family takes up a lot of time. Uh, can you, is it harder, though you're in the industry, to allocate four or five hours to golf? And if not for you, then the average person, we got to find other ways to have people enjoy golf and maybe not spend those five hours? Yeah, look, I think I think those five hours and walking those five hours and being a part of the game is really important, and I think there are lots of different ways to play the game. Uh, there'll be times where I'll go play, you know, three holes, six holes, nine holes, you know, go out at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, play nine holes and have dinner. Um, so there are lots of different ways to engage with the game. I don't think we need to kind of change the 18-hole the construct of the game. I think we just need to create access and opportunity for people to enjoy it differently. Do you like um, interesting perspective from friends like Jack Nicholas, who, as a purist, had an entirely different take than he is after 75, but that 15-inch cup that he's now authorizing or endorsing and the play it forward, even the young tees 100 yards ahead, uh, as a purist, you don't like it, but as a realist, you realize it makes the game fun and brings more people into it? I'm all for tee it forward. I think you want to basically play it uh, the distances where you should play the game. Tee it forward is a real exciting part of the game and uh, allows people to compete against each other. The best part about playing the game of golf is, you know, the handicap system. You know, an 18-year-old, a 9-year-old kid can play against a 60- or 50-year-old man or woman, and, you know, it's the greatest part of the game. And tee it forward is really a, a really good part about it that makes the game enjoyable. Why tee it back at 7,000 yards and make the make the, the game really difficult and hard? It's already hard enough. So I, I am all for that. Well with put. Regards to changing, with regards to changing the traditions of the game, the size of the cup and those elements, I'm just, I'm not in favor of it. I just don't think we need to go to those lengths. I think there are other ways to enjoy the game. I think, you know, I go back to some of the technology elements and, you know, you have the traditional golf courses and then there's technology elements. You see the gamification of the game. Um, there are going to be ways that... You know, you can go to other venues and you'll see different targets that drop down through visual elements and you can hit those targets and it's just different ways to enjoy the game of golf. Hear you. A couple more as far as the future is concerned. Uh, what's the biggest change you would make today if you know, had a, if you had a magic wand that transcended uh, all of the governing structures and the way the game is played itself, one one thing. What's that thing? Wow, it's a difficult question. Um, there's there's so many changes. I think I think access uh, to the game is something that we all need to work towards uh, creating better access to the game. You see that people um, come in. It can be expensive in, in certain areas. It can be challenging. Uh, but I think access really is, is the name of the game. And I think the, organi the organizing bodies are really doing a good job 
to really make some headway there. Incredibly important point. Final question. Ten years from now, what does the industry look like? Uh, What does it look like? I think you're seeing a global tour. Um, I think you're seeing China on a world stage, you know, with... You know, the likes of you've got Hao Tung Lee and you've got stars like that that are going to raise the game in these countries that are young and developing countries from a game of golf. And it's going to be a, a worldwide connected tour uh, and the game will be will be growing immensely. You'll see technology play a major role. For example, you have competitions with simulators around the world and somebody playing in Alaska and somebody playing in Japan and somebody somebody playing in Korea and they can all play against each other in some kind of connected way. It's um, it's really going to be a fascinating time, you know, in, in these next 10 years. And you got your hand, you got your hand on the pulse of it. And you got your hand, you got your hand on the pulse of it. So my final question, if money's not changing hands, what do you think of somebody who regularly sweeps away four foot putts? <laughs> regularly sweeps away four foot putts. You mean, is that shot good from 185 yards? Yeah, there you go. All right. I, I, I thought we'd have, we don't, I thought we'd have a difference of opinion, but go ahead. No, look, I think everybody wants to enjoy the game. And, wow. uh, you know, when you're playing a friendly game, uh, I think you should give putts when when you're having fun. If you're playing a competition, uh, you need to make those putts. That is a great answer. Scott Seymour, uh, your mouth to God's ears. Uh, let's rack this up, and I'm taking this quote on the course with me. Rick Haro, sports professor, see you soon. Well, Scott sure gives us some interesting perspective as the ratings will be off the charts on Eastern Long Island at Beth Page and everywhere else around the world. Let's look at our top Tech Minute to see what advances we've had in the tech community. Well, NASCAR plans to boost its attendance and ratings through sports betting. We've talked about it before, but they signed an exclusive data partnership with Genius Sports. Leads to an in-race betting product to help battle sagging attendance and television ratings. Bloomberg says Genius will use up-to-the-second data points like car speed and track position to build a betting product that the London-based company can sell to global sports books. The data points will allow Genius to provide traditional wagers, such as winners as well as prop bets, like how many lead changers there will be or whether a Chevy will end up in victory lane. NASCAR's 33 races last season averaged a record-low 3.34 million viewers, a 25% drop from the 4.47 million average two years ago, while Tennessee's Bristol Motor Speedway, one of NASCAR's most prestigious tracks, drew an estimated 38,000 fans for a 150,000-seat venue that once had a wait list. NASCAR's rethinking their marketing for their waning and aging fan base, and if done properly, they could find themselves back in prime time thanks to legalized sports betting. And another league which looks like they may be on the rise, a massive TV rights deal with Fox and Disney for the XFL. The alternative to NFL football one step closer, weekly berths on ABC and Fox, the inaugural season, supplementary games on the company's cable networks. Variety says the XFL intends to air back-to-back Saturday afternoons at 2 p.m., along with two additional weekly games on Sundays, Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington. After a near two-decade hiatus from the sports scene, Vince McMahon brings the NFXFL with the league attempting to be the second spring football league in recent years. The Alliance of American Football folded after a few games this year. 
And with the knowledge of past XFL shortcomings, McMahon and the executive staff have taken their time to strategize and properly lay down the foundation for a successful football league. And that's your top tech minute. Finally, the power of sports minute, a $12 billion philanthropy increase in North America and beyond. Look at some of the big issues. First, across the pond, soon to retire Arsenal goalkeeper will release a charity single with Queen drummer Roger Taylor. Peter Check is an avid drummer, but also a savvy businessman philanthropist. His soon-to-be-released single, That's Football, will feature Queen drummer Roger Taylor and the song to raise money for the Willow Foundation. The charity set up in 1999 by former Arsenal stopper Bob Wilson, whose daughter Anna died the previous year at 31 years old from a malignant type of nerve cancer. The charity works with seriously ill young adults aged 16 to 40 for full uplifting and an unforgettable special series of days, which can either be a return to normalcy or a chance to fulfill a lifelong dream. To date, the charity completed its mission over 15,000 times. Whether or not Czech can make a music career post-soccer, at least his first single will be raising funds to help those off the pitch who are less fortunate. Across the pond, back in North America, the most valuable player in the National Football League, Patrick Mahomes, spreads his arms for charity thanks to partnerships with Omaz and Madden 20. The charity utilizes video games to raise money for Mahomes' foundation, 15 and the Mahomes, through a once-in-the-lifetime experience to play Madden 20 with Mahomes before the game is released. According to Forbes, proceeds from the campaign go towards serving a variety of underprivileged kids or adolescents fighting chronic illnesses or major injuries. The best part is almost anyone can afford to make a difference as a $10 entry fee is all the cost for this personalized experience with the Chiefs MVP quarterback. After now being featured on the cover of Madden 20, the young football sensation provides fans an opportunity to meet him in a casual setting and the game with potentially one of the best quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. By the way, Mahomes was also just announced as an ambassador for the new NFL London Academy, certainly crossing the Atlantic once again. That's your sports power of Sports Minute, and that's keeping score for the week. Big week ahead bigger one next week. Join us when once again, we're keeping score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.